as, as we continue our, our series on the pursuit of joy in, in Philippians, we're reminded of a little boy who goes up to his daddy and jumps in his lap and says, my heart is so filled with happiness. And then he goes off to play with his little brother. And um, then he comes back and, it, and it's, his, his face is just like this. And daddy goes, well, what happened to your heart you know, filled with happiness? He goes, Brian made it all leak out. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, yeah, Brian can make it all leak out, right? Where is he? No. <laughs> all our Brian's. I mean, it, it, it is so easy for something to happen, then all of a sudden it goes like that. And, and what we're going we're gonna to look today at, at, um, at a scripture written by, um, by Paul in prison to the, to, to the church he had planted in Philippi. And he gives five antidotes, you might say, for the things that want to, you know, our, our heart of joy. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so let me read it to you. Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not just in my presence, but even more in my absence, remember he's writing from Rome, prison in Rome, to Philippi in Greece, and he goes, continue, in other words, keep on, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We have to take a look at that. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you, you know, hold on to and hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm still glad, I'm still happy, I'm, I, and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be happy and you should rejoice with me. Key verse here is, is this one. Here is this. You must work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Fear is um, uh, um, awe in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. The Bible talks about it. it's, it's like when we're in front of God, it's wow. It's this reverence. I'm called a reverend. Turn my turn. <laughs> and everybody else, turn your cell phones off. You know, should have thought about that by now. <laughs> right? That's, so there's an awe. And, and, and the trembling, we talked about that last time. It's, it's the humility. It's, it's, it's not the trembling of, no, don't hit me, don't hit me. It's like, and then, and, and. And, and it's just little me, and wow, you, there's that fear and trembling. And then it says here, so work out that. And then it goes on, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to his good purpose. 
Okay, work out your salvation. That does not mean work for your salvation. I mean, here in Scripture it says, it's by God's grace you've been saved through faith. And even the faith is not of yourself. God put the faith in you. It's like you're like spiritually born. Like, oh, I'm alive. I want to believe. I want to follow, right? Now, God doesn't make you keep your spiritual life any more than he makes you keep your physical life. You can kill yourself. Or you can neglect it, you know, and kill yourself. But um, here he says, it's by grace. It's a gift. It is a gift of God, not of work. So no one could boast. But he says, work out your salvation, for it is God who works in. Right? We're to work out what God works in. As I look at you, I see you're all great work. You all work out, right? <laughs> Working out does not mean create yourself. God says, I'm, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna work something in you. And then I want you to work it out. You know, one, time, one person explained that to me is like, like, like putting paint on a, on, a, on a wall and then I roll it out, you know, whatever. Or, um, or working out like a, like a workout. Um, God gives me the muscle. God gives me the strength. And then I exercise what he gives me. What he works in, what God works in, I work out. So we're going to look at Five workouts for a heart of joy. Okay? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, on a physical level, we all know what we're supposed to eat and what we're supposed to do to maintain physical health. And in some ways, we know what we're supposed to do in, to a degree uh, to maintain spiritual, emotional, inner health. The inner man, the inner woman. But we need to hear it. We need to, to, to remind ourselves and be reminded. And we need to follow it. Amen. Uh, is, that, is that the full light? Okay, yes. <laughs> Let there be more light. <laughs> there was more light. Okay, let's... It starts with remembering. We need to remember something because one of the things that will you know, go in our, in our heart of joy as fast as anything is fear. Um, and there's all kinds of fears and in our life, in our world today, and the fear I'm going to be alone, that I'm going to have to handle things all by myself. It's hard enough with somebody, let alone being all by yourself. And, and God says, remember, I am with you. I am in you. I am for you. Three big facts. We need to never stop reminding ourselves of this. Here, first of all, it said, here, for God is always working in you, giving you both the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. God is working, that word energis, energus. It's like the word energy. He says, it's not just willpower. It's not like I do this and then, you, you, know, you know, just have a lot of willpower and you can follow me. He says, no, no, that doesn't work. Willpower is nothing. He says, I will put divine power in you. But more than just putting stuff in you. He says, I'm going to look. Jesus said, 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you. So he says, I'm not only in you, I'm with you. And then he goes on, he goes, and you will realize that you are in me, and I am in you. Okay, so he's, he's with us, he's in us, we're in him. It means we're surrounded by him, right? Um, it says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I mean, for anything to get at it, it's got to go through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're like, God says, it, he, he, how do you get more intimate than that? I'm in you, you're in me, I'm with you. But there is one way you can get even more. And that's this one here. If God is for us, who can defeat us? If I were to have you close your eyes right now for a minute and imagine God, your heavenly parent looking at you, what's the expression on his face? Now you can open it. Was he, was he smiling at you? Was he disappointed with you? You know? I mean, he says, I am for you. I am for you. I'm on your side. I don't want you to mess up. I'm not, you know, out to get you. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching you. Right? That's almost an idea that people have with God. I'm watching you. You slip up. I'll smack you one. Right? No, no. It, I mean, in, in, the, in the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What follows us? There's like two little sheepdogs. I mean, he's, he's out in the front. We're the sheep that are back here. And he said, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the day of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Goodness is, we call that grace. It's getting what we get, what we don't deserve. Mercy means that I don't get what I do deserve. I'm for you. It's like, it, before anything else, he says, look, I'm in you, I'm with you, I'm for you. Don't even step outside without reminding yourself of that. Because otherwise you're completely defenseless. First, most basic fact. Second, Be grateful and never grumble. Kind of hard, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, the problem is nature and nurture. By nature, we're negative. And, you know, and, nurture, and then our society conditions us. And, and we talked, you know, the first week we talked about uh, if only thinking, when and then thinking, if only, you know, my husband w w was better, then I'd be happy. If only I got married. If only i get out of this marriage. If only I got kids. If only the kids could move. If only, you know. <laughs> if only, if only. And, um, but, Scripture says here, do everything, everything, without complaining or arguing, so no one can speak a word of blame against you. Everything without complaining. What do you mean by without complaining? Well, let's look at some different kinds of complainers. There's the whiners, right? <laughs> Instead of rise and shine, it's rise and whine, right? 
Or as this little boy says, I may rise, but I refuse to shine. <laughs> right? <laughs> or um, one guy was asked, you know, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And he said, sometimes I wake up grumpy, some other times I just let her sleep. I saw a picture of this, which was funnier. I, I couldn't put it up here because this is church, in which they're in, <laughs> in which she's lying in bed, giving him the one-fingered hello. <sighs> or this one. But the, the truth is this: you can wake up joyful and say, "Good morning, Lord," or wake up dreadful and say, "Good Lord, it's morning." How you start your day. The choice is yours. And I got this this morning. Today I choose joy. I like this. <laughs> I'm going to put it right there. Because that's our choice. That's why, you know, I, you know, I told him I get up with gratitude. That's why it's, it's, it's crucial. It abs- and in fact, but besides this, I could go on. Besides the whiners, there's the martyrs. Nobody appreciates me. Right? Uh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms, you know. Uh, um, this woman put on her Ruth Wrangle, Sue Wrangle. See, real person. <laughs> Born 1964, died 2013. Put on her tombstone. I told you I was sick. So the wine is the martyrs. There's the cynics. You know, well, what's the use? It's not going to do any good. I've tried before. Nothing ever works, right? Just that, uh, here. Guy goes, uh, Mater D, do you serve crabs here? We certainly do. Take a look at that table over there. (laughs) Or it could be, uh, you know, do you serve crabs here? Yeah, we serve anybody. Go ahead, sit down. Right? We said the whiners, the martyrs, and cynics. There's the perfectionists. Unpleasable. Um, You know, if you get... C's, they want B's. If you get B's, they want A's. If you want A's, they want straight A's. You know, is that the best you can do? It's never good enough. I mean, there's all these negative ways here. There's these complaining ways. Instead, the replacement, he says, is, and, and, and by the way, Jesus said about those kind of negative things, I tell you this, that you will give an account on, on Judgment Day for every careless, for every whining, martyr, cynic, perfectionistic word you have spoken. Because we're not supposed to sweat the small stuff, and most of it's small, right? But in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will. What's God's will for my life? He said, my, my will is this. In everything. Not for everything. I mean, obviously, we're not going to give thanks for child abuse, we're not going to give thanks. For war, we're not going to give thanks. But in, you know, God, he says, look, I can, I can bring you close. Through this pain, I can bring you closer to me. Through this pain, I can bring you closer to others. Through this pain, I can make you more Christ-like. Through this pain, I can give you a ministry. Through this pain, I, I can make it a platform for those who don't believe. I can do all kinds of things that are good. But not if you're not thankful. I can't do anything for an ingrate. Number three, keep my conscience clear. Um, It's hard to be guilty 
and joyful at the same time. Here. In the text it says, you are to live clean and pure lives as children of God in a broken and corrupted generation. And, and, and actually, he was saying this 2,000 years ago. Is it more broken and corrupted? The prophecies are that it will get so broken and corrupted that we will destroy ourselves if Jesus has come back. And then he says, then I'll come back. He goes on, you are to shine like stars, lighting up a dark world. Um, it's like when a jeweler, you know, puts, he brings out diamonds. He'll put them on what? Yeah, black velvet. And then they shine. He said, the, the worse the world gets around you, the more corrupted, the more upside down they get, farther away from God. Basically taking what, you know, um, calling right, wrong right, which is basically what Adam and Eve did. God says, that's wrong. And they go, no, 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 that's, it's good. It's, it's good fruit. It's, he goes, stupid. But, so, but happy are those who live pure lives who follow the Lord's teachings, keep his rules, who try to obey him with their whole heart. Happy are those who live, Jesus put it this way, blessed are those who are pure in spirit. Same thing. Well, but Jesus said blessed. And here he's saying happy. Well, in 1611, when the King James Version was translated, the word, the word is makarius, Blessed meant happy. Everybody knew that. Have a blessed day. Blessed meant happy. He was, Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount with nine statements of how to be happy. He said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I've come to give you good news of great joy, right? That's what the birth of Jesus was announced. And, and so sometimes, you know, I've heard people, well, God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. Actually, it's both. They're connected. My happiness is connected to my purity in my life, my holiness. But I know people will say, well, yeah, but my life isn't pure and my life isn't holy. Well, look here. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Which is why last week in the institute they talked about this thing called repentance. Over here, when, um, when John the Baptist, the great prophet who would usher in the Messiah, came, his message was repent, for the kingdom of God is here. When Jesus started his, his ministry, his message was repent. And we think that repent means, you know, turn, you know, turn or you'll burn and, and fry. And it, it's, it's like it's been given some negative meaning. And <laughs> what John, what Jesus was saying is you can, it means change your mind. It's like you can get a new mind. You, you, 
we can get rid of the sin. We can, we, 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 yeah, we can admit it. And, but how often do you think we need to do this? Once. You just need to do it once when you come to Christ, right? Once a week here. I think it's more efficient that way, isn't it? I mean, that's why I, a while ago I decided to take that sanitainer that, that we take out for garbage. I just brought it into the kitchen, right? <laughs> of course not. That's, I mean, the, the house smells, right, if that would happen. You keep a little one, right, and you get rid of it daily. And God says, you, unless this repentant, unless this thing of coming to me, giving it to me, admitting it, becoming clean, receiving my forgiveness, receiving my love, wiped clean, unless that's a, you know, daily thing. You know, if any man will come after me, let him, you know, take up his cross. Deny daily. Or we'll be miserable. Four, meditate on God's word and live it. Um, here. We've done, when it comes to God's word, the Bible talks about washing by the word. You know, we've talked, we've used this, if you use your hand, and, and when I do a, a class, sometimes I have people put their hands on a paper and then we'll go like this. Little kids have done this, right? And then we talk that, you know, you can hear the word of God, you can read it, you can study it, you can memorize it, you can meditate on it so that you apply it. And then it's we're to hold tightly to the word of life is what he says. He says, hold tightly. What, what, what Paul is telling the church at Philippi, he says, hold tightly. This old Bible that I was given in 1974, I want to hold tightly to it, right? In order to hold tightly to it, I need to use all five fingers. I can, I can hear it. You know, if we go back to, to this here, I can hear, and then I'm holding it with a pinky. And the problem of hearing is, you know, this is great, there's nothing wrong with this except we have a tendency to lose 95% what we hear within 72 hours. But if we hear it and read it, now I've got two fingers. And if I hear it and I read it, and then I study it, I ask, quite, I maybe look up, and then if I hear it, read it, study it, and then even memorize it, wow, now I've got a four-finger grip, and if I hear it, and then even you know, meditate, the word meditate is, is to chew, literally, ruminate, like, like, like a, you know, it's like, think about it, ask questions. You could take the, the message that we're doing here, I give you five things, make it five days. To hear something once, it's like, it's okay. But it doesn't really do any cleansing. So when I hear it, read it, study it, think about it, ask questions about it, let it, that's, changes, that cleanses, that gives a new attitude. Your principles make me happy. 
So I never forget your word. Here, lead me in the paths of your commands because that's where my happiness is found. Because when I get away from this, I lose my happiness. And it just kind of leaks out. It imperceptibly, and then it's all of a sudden like, where is it gone? Last thing. Use my life. Let me get to it. To serve God. How do you do that? How do you serve God that you can't see? Jesus said, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. So it's serve God by serving others. Jesus said, if you insist on saving your life for yourself, you will lose it. The self, he said, the self-absorbed, self-indulgent, self-directed person will, I mean, not really lose eternally, but lose it here. Only those who sacrificially give away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. God said he made us in his image. He wired. So what is God? God is love, right? God wired that when we become like him, then we get the joy. Then we get And last week we looked at, we looked, you know, at the Son of Man. The Son of Man said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Here. Here he says, your faith, this is Philippians, says, your faith makes you offer your faith, your trust in God, your, your relationship, makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in serving God. And then he's talking about his own death here. He goes, if I have to offer my own blood as a sacrifice, I will be happy and full of joy. And you should be happy and full of joy with me. Teach marriage counseling. You know, we do, when we talk about love, you know, without love, she reacts without respect, without respect, he reacts without love, and it's this crazy cycle that goes around and around. And, but, you know, his love will motivate her respect, and her respect will motivate his love, right? But really, when it gets to the deepest thing, it's his love, because in the Bible, talk, we're talking about the Bible's command about love and respect, and then his love unto Jesus, regardless of her respect. Her respect unto Jesus, regardless of his love. When you do it to the least of these, for me.
That'll be all the difference. When it says it's more blessed to give than to receive, again, what does the word blessed mean? Happy. Most of you know, two years ago, I had heart surgery. I can recommend to you my, this one heart surgeon, um, Dr. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he can take my cold heart, my self-centered heart, my sick heart, my joyless heart. And, you know, he, he doesn't charge. He makes house calls. He's always available. He's taking new patients. <laughs> and look what he says. I will give you a new heart with new and right desires. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your heart hardened by sin and give you a new heart of love. Give it to you. But there's only one way. Salvation can be found, can only be found in Jesus alone. In all the world, there is no one else whom God has given who can save us. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. may have gone to church all your life, or this may be your first visit. It doesn't matter. You may be a religious person. You may be Lutheran, Catholic, Jewish, Buddhist, Baptist, Mormon, Muslim, no religion, whatever. Maybe atheist. You still need a heart transplant. And salvation can only be found in Jesus alone. In all the world, there is no one else whom God has given who can save us. So why don't you, in sincerity and humility, Talk to God right now. You say, if you say, I don't know what to say, just I'll give you the words. Just say, God, I need a new heart. Mine has been broken, battered, embittered. It's been fearful and frustrated. It's been cold and calculating sometimes. It's been deceptive. It's been discouraged. I've been fearful. I've been frustrated. Sometimes I've been sick and self-centered. I need a heart transplant. Dear God, I want to become a new person inside. Jesus, I ask you to do heart surgery on me today. As much as I know how, I ask you to be in my life and work in me. And give me both the desire and the ability to do your will. Lord, I can't do any of, I can't do any of this work out until you first have done the working in. So I'm asking you. Save me. I'm putting everything, my, all my trust in you. I just want to learn how to love you and follow you 